Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. But now throughout the message, I'll be dissecting the King James Version. Help us better understand what what Paul was trying to say. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you live clean innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people Let me read that 15th verse once again. This is where the title of today's message and the very thought that we're going to share comes from. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I want to talk today simply from the thought, shine, shine, shine. When we think of a crooked, perverted, and dark world, we think of things like global poverty. In many instances, such poverty is driven by systems intentional in keeping poor people poor. We think of war, terrorism, such as 
what we witness in Afghanistan. We think of greed that can drive banks to near ruin unless they're too big to fail. We think of oppressive, corrupt governments that can go so far as to use chemical weapons on their own citizens. We think of racism and all of its impact, abuses of all sorts, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, violence of all sorts, road rage, gang violence, domestic violence, mass shootings, entertainment that promotes all sorts of perversion and irreverence, human sex trafficking that markets adults and children, female and male alike, as sex slaves. We think of, we call wrong right and right wrong. We call evil good and good evil. And these are just a few elements of a crooked, perverted, dark world in which we live. Such a world is nothing new. The Philippians lived in a similar environment. The Apostle Paul exhorted them to shine against such a backdrop of evil as bright lights. Question becomes then, what causes stars to shine? Stars shine because there is intense pressure of gases deep inside the stars that produce an enormous amount of energy and heat. You see, y'all, there's some stuff going on on the inside of the stars that make them shine. The same goes for you and I. It takes some stuff going on on the inside to make us shine. And just as stars shine in contrast to their surroundings of darkness, the Philippian saints were to stand out in contrast to a dark, crooked, perverse world. They were to be different and stand out regarding their morality, their behavior individually and corporately. We, too, as followers of Jesus, must shine in the dark, crooked, perverse world in which we live. Light dispels darkness. Shining as light provides the world much-needed people who, who walk in integrity, people who walk in love and compassion. This dark world needs people who have a strong moral code and can be, and can be trusted to lead families, governments, finance institutions, religion, education, media, and arts and entertainment. So the question becomes, y'all, what empowers followers of Jesus to shine as lights in a dark, perverse world? A couple of things real quick we're going to raise up. Number one, harmony empowers us to shine. Harmony. Let the church say harmony. Harmony, harmony empowers us to shine. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Philippians chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercy, says the King James Version, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul, in those verses, is calling for harmony. He's calling for unity. Harmony empowers us to shine. He, he was encouraging them to shine by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, by loving one another and working together with one mind in one purpose. He was calling for them to shine by being harmonious. He's not demanding that they all have the same perspectives or preferences. We can have a diversity of perspectives and preferences, but be united or harmonious in purpose and priorities. I'm wondering what in the world did the Philippians have to disagree about? Did they disagree on whether they should have praise and worship or devotion or hymns? Did they, did they disagree on what color the carpet should be? 
I, I doubt it if they disagreed over some of the stuff I read recently. I asked the prophet Google what some churches have fought over. And here's what the prophet told me, Dr. Jones. The prophet Google said some churches have actually disagreed and fought over stuff like this. Whether to use land to build a children's playground or a cemetery. Some churches have argued over whether to serve cran grape instead of grape juice for Holy Communion. This one right here shot me so I had to read it verbatim. This is verbatim what the prophet Google said some churches have fought over. Two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. In one of the churches, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks brand. In the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend. Members left the church in the latter example over coffee. It is obvious the Philippians agreed to financially support the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey. That's why Paul wrote them this letter. He, he wrote Philippians to thank them for their support of his missionary efforts. Then in chapter 2, Paul told them why they should, they should be in harmony. Look at verse 1 again. He tells them why. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort in his love, if, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul, what are you saying? If, if, if all of this is going on, y'all should be in harmony. If you have any consolation, in other words, if you... If you found any exhortation, this word means commonly used as in military context as, as a common encouragement of soldiers. If your communion with Christ stirs your heart, if it stimulates your emotions, if it constrains your will, then y'all should live in harmony. Paul assumes that each member of the Philippian congregation would answer yes to these rhetorical questions. So if they have experienced this consolation, they, they should be able to get along and make things happen to advance God's kingdom. Then he said, if, if you have any comfort of love, any comfort springing out of love, if, if, if Christ's love has comforted you, spoken to you in a friendly way, if, if Christ's love has come alongside you, spurred you to do good, cheered you on, encouraged you, refreshed you, strengthened you, then y'all should have harmony. If, if you have any fellowship of the Spirit, and again, Paul is assuming that, that these questions that he's raising, that the Philippians would answer, yeah, we have that. Yeah, yeah we, we have consolation in Christ. Yeah, we have comfort in his love. Yes, we have fellowship of the Spirit. And what Paul was saying in fellowship of the Spirit, he's saying that, that this word means to share with someone uh, something that they have. That the Holy Ghost, you and the Holy Ghost, he's, he's sharing something that he has, divine power and, and the anointing of, of God. And you share what, what you have, your weaknesses and your frailties. Paul says, if you've been sharing and if you've been communing and fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost, then y'all, y'all should be able to get along in harmony. Then he says in the King James Version, if you have any bowels and mercies compassion deep down inside of you if, if y'all can show mercy toward one another then then y'all should have harmony and get along with one another and I believe here what Paul is addressing when he talks about bowels and mercies he, he, he's, he's suggesting that that the people of God should be lovers of peace we, we should love getting along with one another. We, we should love cooperating with one another. We, we should love working well with each other. And Paul says, 
I understand that sometimes it may not be easy, but if y'all have experienced this, then advancing God's kingdom should be relatively easy. If God is consoling, comforting, and fellowshipping with each of you, then it ought to impact how easily he can do amazing things through all of you. Paul said, if y'all have experienced these realities, if God is moving in your life like this, then y'all need to do what he says in verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. In other words, y'all should have harmony and shine like lights in a dark, crooked, and perverse world. He, he, he is saying we shine like lights in a dark world and how well we harmonize with one another. How well we get along and make decisions as we do ministry distinguishes us from the world. If God is consoling, comforting, fellowshipping with each of you, then it ought to impact how easily he can do amazing things through all of you. But sadly, some saints testify that it's easier to get things done and make decisions in context outside the church at work civic organizations, volunteer organizations than it is in the church. Yet, we are expected to shine through harmony with one another. We tell the world we know how to get along in the house of God. We know how to have meetings, good meetings, that you look forward to attending. And then you look back on it and you're glad that you made it in the church. We, we, we're supposed to tell the world, we, we know how to get together and talk about even some tough issues, but do it without getting hostile. Shine. How can, we, how can we shine and have harmony in the church? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. This takes me to my second point. The second point, y'all, is humility empowers us to shine. Let the church say humility. Harmony empowers us to shine. It's, it's a statement we make to the world. Humility is a little more individual. Look at verse number five, Philippians chapter two. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on, and we're going to deal with it, goes on to how Jesus' mindset demonstrated humility. humility. Humility empowers us to shine. How? Because the mind of Jesus in contrast to the pride that undergirds the darkness, crookedness, and perversion we see in the world. It is, it is a stark contrast. It is a 180-degree turn from what we see in the world. Paul's exhortation to us is to let the mind of Jesus be in us. The person with the mind of Jesus is the type of person who can dispel darkness. The person with the mind of Jesus can straighten out what's crooked and purify what's perverse. Anyone with a made-up mind to shine in a dark, crooked, perverse world must have a mind that is a stark contrast to that which drives and perpetuates darkness. What kind of mind did Jesus have? What well, Paul told us. Look at verse 5 again. I'm going to read verses 5 through 11. Verse 5, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Let's pause here for a moment, y'all. Here's what humility looked like in the mind of Jesus. He
He did not think equality with God was something to cling to. He gave up his divine privileges. We, on the other hand, love privilege. We love prestige. We love being treated like VIPs. Jesus took the humble position of a slave. He served people. He, he served his disciples. He served the poor and preached the gospel to them. He, he fed the hungry. He served sinners and showed them compassion. He, he said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came, he came as a Jew. He came as a poor Jew and lived as one with no political power, no rights, no privileges. He Paul says in Philippians 2, we just read it, he was born as a human being. He was born to poor Jewish parents, to a poor Jewish teenage girl in a barn with nasty animals and their, and their dung and their awful smell. His, his humble arrival was in stark contrast to how some people are having their babies in VIP suites. In such accommodations, mom can have their food prepared by a, by a private chef and delivered to them by food ambassadors decked out in tuxedos. Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles offers a three-room, two-bath deluxe maternity suite for a smooth $4,000 a day. Jesus demonstrated his humility by forsaking prestige and was born in a barn. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are on the cover of Time magazine. Can you imagine Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, having little Archie and, or little bit in a barn? Can you imagine Jay-Z, Beyonce, having little blue ivy in a barn? Can you imagine Kim Kardashian giving birth to Kanye? Although Kanye act like he might have been born in a barn sometime. But can you imagine Kim Kardashian giving birth to her babies in a barn. But let's not overlook Paul referencing Jesus dying a criminal's death on a cross. Imagine how some of our minds would have been on display if we had talked to Jesus after his resurrection. Some of us, if we, if we would have talked to Jesus after his resurrection, the conversation probably would have gone something like this. Weren't you at Calvary the other day? Yep, sure was. I thought I saw pictures on social media. I could hardly recognize you. Yeah, they, they worked me over pretty good. Beat me beyond recognition. How did that happen? Wasn't Peter with you with his sword? Yeah, in fact, he cut this dude's ear off. So what'd you do? I picked the ear up off the ground and put it back on my man's head. I had to check Pete, man. You had to check Pete? had to check him. That's not how my kingdom operates. My kingdom is not of this world. So you just let them beat you like that? I would have went out swinging. Well, and, and what was that on your head? It, it looked like a crown or something. Yeah, they made this crown of thorns and put it on my head and ridiculed me, mocked me, just, just humiliated me and made fun of me as the king of the Jews. And you just let them do that? Couldn't have been me. Couldn't have been me. You just don't let people do you like that. Especially when you've done nothing wrong. You don't just let people walk all over you like that. No, no, Jesus. You got to be a real man and stand up for yourself. Mm-mm. Ain't no way. 
and in front of your mama too? Oh, Hades, no. You will not be physically and verbally abusive to me and I not respond, especially in front of my mama and out in front of everybody. And some of you mamas will be like, oh, you ain't going to do that to my child and I'm present. Oh, Hades, no. Especially when they've done nothing wrong. Ain't no way. Then we would have asked Jesus, and, and weren't you challenged more than once to prove or validate you are king of the Jews? Yes, but in my mind, the humility I demonstrate liberates you from having to prove who you are. You check your ego and just shine by being you. When you know who you are, humility empowers you to shine by just being you and letting people think whatever they want to think about you. What really matters, I think this is what Pastor Doe said the other night. What really matters is there are people who love you and respect you and people who don't, don't matter. The way many of us would have talked to Jesus after he's being executed like a criminal reflects the way we think. And the way we would have talked to him is the way we talk to each other. It's the way we talk to our spouses. It's the way we talk to our children. It's the way we talk to our friends. You don't just let people do that to you. You don't just let people take advantage of you. You don't just let people just walk all over you. That's exactly what we would have talked said in our conversation with Jesus. But to live with such vulnerability as Jesus did to many of us is utterly unthinkable. But this is the type of mind we are to have as his followers. Consider this. What forces have contributed to a mindset that would, that would criticize Jesus' humility? Why would some of us think Jesus was weak? Or why would some of us have questioned his manhood with how he allowed folks to treat him at Calvary? All of us who would, all of us who would not have let people get away with treating us the way Jesus was treated need to ask ourselves, what has contributed to the way I think? What has me convinced that you never let people walk all over you or ever get over on you? Has the word shaped our minds or has this dark, crooked, and perverse world shaped our minds? Let the word shape your mind. Let this mind be in you by letting Jesus' word shape how you think, how you react, how you respond, how we get along with one another, especially in the body of Christ. Many of us would have to admit the word has not shaped our mind because we ain't been in the word. Read Jesus' teachings. Read his commands. Read how Jesus served others. Get in his word and allow his word to renew your mind. So when Jesus looked at your mind, it is almost as though he's looking in a mental mirror. But don't get it twisted. There are some times when you need to speak up for yourself. I'll dwell on that. I'll dwell more on that in a minute. There are some times when you need to demand to be treated with fairness, equality, dignity, and respect. I'll come back to that, trust me. But do not underestimate the power of humility. Our humility empowers us to shine. It shows we are different from those in darkness. The mind of Jesus helps to dispel darkness. Now, let me make this clear. Our humility toward one another must adamantly demonstrate that we never want to be abusive or humiliating or violent to anyone, especially those of the household of faith. Jesus taught us to love one another as he loves us. We are to love one another too much to abuse. 
We ought to love one another too much to humiliate or commit violence toward each other. In fact, Jesus taught us that whenever we offend one another, we talk to one another in pursuit of reconciliation. Paul tells us what humility looks like. Watch this in, in, in chapter 2. He says, it looks like obedience to the Father. So obey him. Let God have his way. I, I know they're making fun of you, but obey God and let him have his way. I, I know it hurts, but obey God and let him have his way. I know it goes against everything the world has taught you, but this humility looks like obedience to the Father. So let God have his way. Verse 12 teaches us to obey God with deep reverence and fear. That simply means to let God have his way. Let them question who you are. Let them question your strength. Let, them, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus and let God have his way let him have his way with the words that come out your mouth let him have his way with the meditations of your heart and what you put on social media and what you text in your device and the emails you send let God have his way and then Paul told us to to, to humble ourselves no one else can humble you but you humble yourself fast and pray if you have to humble yourself push away from the table turn off the television and humble yourself put the devices away get away from social media and spend more time with God but because if humility is going to happen then you've got to humble yourself you cannot shine unless you humble yourself you want to see more harmony in your church then you humble yourself you want to see more harmony in your relationships and then you humble yourself. Don't be talking about I ain't there yet. Or I, I'm sorry, but I, I ain't Jesus. They'll mess around and catch these hands or this knife or these bullets. Instead, insist on letting this mind be in you and resolve to get there. Because Paul tells us why. Paul tells us why. He tells us obedience leads to exaltation. Look at verse number nine. Your vulnerability leads to your victory. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The day is coming where everyone will have no choice but to honor the name of Jesus. The day is coming where everyone will have no choice but to recognize Jesus is the son of the living God. Despite how he was mistreated, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord y'all know what that means that means that the day is going to come where Pilate's knee shall bow Herod's tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father every king's knee shall bow every queen's tongue shall confess every dictator's knee shall bow every emperor's tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father father every president's knee shall bow every prime minister's tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord so that means what Paul is trying to get you and I to understand that if you humble yourself everyone who ever mocked you everyone who ever ridiculed you everyone who ever dishonored you everyone who ever disrespected you God is able to fix it so they have no choice but to one day recognize you are anointed God's hand is on your life you do have purpose you do you walk in favor they will have no choice in declaring I was wrong about you I did misunderstand you I did sell you short I did treat you wrong I did put a wrong label on you I did overlook you one day they won't be able to avoid it one day they won't be able to overlook
overlook it. One day they won't be able to ignore what the Lord is doing in your life. One day they won't be able to deny that God has his hand on you. I need you to hear this. Somebody needs to receive this and hide it in your heart so that you can hear it and humble yourself. Hear it and endure what you're going through. Hear it and humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He will exalt you in due season. How, how do we shine? I'm almost finished. One more thing I'm going to tell you. We're going to wrap this up. How, how, how do we shine? Harmony empowers us to shine. Humility empowers us to shine. And finally, Holiness empowers us to shine. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Paul, what are you saying in all of that? Paul says in all of that, I'm saying holiness, holiness empowers you to shine. Holiness separates, it means to be separate for God's use. Whatever is holy is sac sacred, it's, it's different, it's set apart for God to use it. Are y'all with me this morning? It, it, it is a contrast. Holiness is a contrast to what is crooked and perverse and profane. Paul challenged the Philippians to shine as holy people. Let me, let me point it out to you in the text. In verse 12, verse 12 he said, obedience is what holy people do. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, obedience is what holy people do. Holy people live in obedience to the word of God. We have different standards than the world, different standards for love, compassion, forgiveness, vulnerability, honor, and the list goes on. The world ain't studying God, but we as holy people put a priority on obedience to God's commands. Holiness empowers us to shine. Then Paul, Paul tells us working out our own salvation with fear and trembling as God works in us. That's what holy people do. Look at verse 12 again. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Here it is. Here's what holy people do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Once again, y'all, the world ain't studying salvation. Some worldly people may, may, may claim a belief in God, but not being built up by God as he works to will and to do in our lives. We, on the other hand, shine as we work out our own salvation. Don't get this twisted, y'all. We don't work to earn or gain salvation. God saved us and committed to working inside of us to make us shine as lights in a dark world. Stars shine due to intense pressure of gases deep inside the stars that produce an enormous amount of energy and heat. So we also have some stuff going on on the inside of us. God is at work inside of us, causing you and I to shine. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. For right now, look at verse number 14. Verse 14, we got to readdress this situation. Paul says, says, do all things without murmurings and disputings because... Doing all things without murmurings or disputings, that's what holy folk do. That's what holy folk do. When he talked about murmuring, that, that word murmuring, it, it speaks of grumbling on the low. It, it's, it's, 
is what some of y'all, not y'all, but the ones who do it ain't here today. Um, is what some of our church family members do uh, when they have their little side conversations after the meeting or, or during the meeting, they're sitting back in the back and they, they got their little side conversation. Uh, is murmuring is, is when you're complaining on the low. It's not loud, outspoken behavior. It's, it's, it's some secret little conversations y'all having in the restroom and in the parking lot and on the phone on the way home. What, what do you mean by that? I ain't like how he said that. Why don't you say something to him? I ain't going to say nothing to him. I ain't been saved all my life. You don't want me to say nothing because I, I can't guarantee you I won't be in my flesh. You don't want me to go there. I'll call him. You call, call him now. I'm going to call him. Watch. I'm going to call Murmuring is, little, is those little grumblings, is, is those little conversations on the low. And, and disputings, disputings is debate undergirded by suspicion or doubt. But let's be clear right here. We understand what Paul is saying and what he's getting at. But the scriptures show there are some times, there are some times when, when we need to speak up and demand to be treated with dignity, respect, and honor. All of us as holy people need to understand this. I've told you this before. Our needs are holy. People's needs are holy. What I mean is your need, your needs are sacred. God takes them seriously. How seriously does God take our needs? God said, God said, uh, uh, when, when, you, when, you've, when you've fed the hungry, when you've clothed the naked, when you visited the sick and in prison, you've done the same thing to me. When you've done this to the least of these, you've done it also to me. Because people's needs are sacred. They're serious. They're holy. They must be treated as such. And when those needs are not being met, sometimes somebody needs to say something. In Acts chapter 6, these Greek widows were being overlooked in the daily administration of food. They spoke up and said something. Hey, we're being overlooked. And it I can understand some of the apostles may have said, well, you know, sometimes we just run out of food. Yeah, y'all, I understand y'all run out of food. I, I, I get that that happens. Resources can run out. But it just seems to me that when y'all run out, the only folk who don't get food is the Greek-speaking widow, Greek widows. Why is it that all of us in this group seem to go without food, but the other widows, they, they, they always eating? And sometimes it seems that way. When you got one group, Seem like we always overlook. Seem like we always treat it like we're not here. The widows raised their voices when they, when they were overlooked in the daily distribution of food for the people of God. Word got to the apostles and the Greek widows were heard. Leadership responded to their concerns and raised up deacons to meet the need. Everyone in the church family needs to be heard. Older folks need to be heard. Young folks need to be heard. Women need to be heard. Men need to be heard. Married folks need to be heard. Single folks need to be heard. Divorced or divorcing folks need to be heard. Leaders need to be heard. Followers need to be heard. Everyone in the church family needs to be heard. And leadership needs to respond to legitimate concerns as holy persons in position of leadership and see to it that those legitimate concerns are treated as holy and those needs are met. Then Paul tells us something in verse 15 about what holy people do. Becoming sons of God without rebuke, that's what holy folk do. Look at verse 15. That they may be blameless and harmless, 
the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That phrase uh, verse, that be, at the beginning of verse 15, that ye may be blameless, it actually ought be translated that ye may become blameless. I like that. Uh, Paul, is, Paul understands that he's writing to folk who may not be blameless yet, but they can become blameless. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 can, we can become blameless. We can become harmless. We are expected to make progress. We are not expected to be perfect. We are expected to make progress. The notion of becoming brings to mind what happens to a young man or a woman who joined the military. They come fresh off the streets and go through a process of recruit training where they become sailors in the Navy or soldiers in the Army or airmen in the Air Force or Marines in the United States Marine Corps. Can I get a oorah and simplify? Come on, y'all, let's go run three miles. Who's with me? I'll see y'all when you get back. You're, tra you're trained and you become. You're tested in this process and you become. You're, you're pushed beyond what you think you're capable of enduring and you become. The same thing happens for the child of God in the body of Christ. God does not expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to make progress. Holiness demands, as Paul said, that we become blameless, deserving no censure, free from fault or defect. We are not expected to, to perfect blameless living, but we are expected to make progress in blameless living. Holiness demands that we become harmless. That word harmless that Paul used, it means unmixed, unadulterated, pure, sincere. It, oftentimes it was used of wine without water. We, we are not expected to perfect harmless living. We are expected to make progress in harmless living. Holiness empowers us to shine. Holiness makes us distinct from the crooked, perverse, dark world in which we live. This, this is made possible because a holy God works in us to will and to do what pleases him. We can live holy because of the presence of a holy, divine, gracious God who works in us to empower us to please him with our lives. What that means, y'all, is it's not up to us to produce holy lives. It's up to us to yield to him and let him have his way in working in us. God saves us knowing he has work to do and he is willing and able to get the job done. And what is so awesome is that God won't quit his job. I wish I had some help in here. No matter how hard it gets, God won't quit his job. No matter how hard we make it, God won't quit his job. I saw a video yesterday, y'all, of a young lady working at Walmart. Some of y'all may have seen it. She had her Walmart shirt on with her Walmart logo. She was standing behind a counter at the particular department at the, at the respective Walmart where she was working. She grabbed the mic and began speaking over the intercom for the whole store. Attention, Walmart shoppers. This is so-and-so in such-and-such a department. Then she went on and talked about how Walmart overworks and underpays their employees. She mentioned the store manager's name and had some choice expletives for him uh, then, then she then mentioned other managers names and had some choice expletives for them even called one uh, anyway she she could, <laughs> she went off on the intercom at the walmart while she's at work commended some of her colleagues and then encouraged them and then she quit her job while she was at work over the intercom no she didn't submit a two-week notice she went to work and quit at work she didn't call in and say, I won't be back. She went to work 
got behind the counter, got on the internet, intercom, and quit and let everybody and their mama know that she was quitting. Let's be honest, y'all. When it comes to God, God is overworked and underpaid. But I'm so glad no matter how hard we make it for him, he won't quit. His job, especially while he's on the job, God won't quit. Some of us have had some temptations and trials and our light isn't shining as bright as it used to. But I have some good news. God won't quit his job. Can I get a witness here? You may have been tempted to quit and let it all go, but you didn't. You know why? Because God was working in you. He was working in you, consoling you in Christ, comforting you in his love, fellowshipping with you through his spirit. And the reason why you made it through that struggle was because God was working in you. The reason why you made it through that dim season, that, that season of dimness, was because God was working in you. And if you and I are going to shine and live holy, we need God on the job working in us to will and do what pleases him and if the truth is told some of y'all sitting next to somebody who need God to work right now some of us are going through some things that has made our little light shine not as bright as it used to and we need God to work overtime right now if that's where you are I have good news God won't quit his job I just need somebody to put that in the comments God won't quit his job I need somebody who ain't my, who don't mind keep your mask on and just whisper God won't quit his job so some of you some of you may have laid God off he may not have quit but some of y'all the way you've been behaving you may have laid God off maybe during this pandemic you've backed off from time in the word of God maybe during this pandemic you backed off from time in prayer maybe during this pandemic or even before the pandemic you got you a new boo and backed off from time with God maybe you got you a new job and as a result you backed off from time with God and your light is not as bright as it used to be you 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 put God you've laid God off but the good news is God is always ready to come back to work God is always ready to come back and work in you can I get a witness here if I can put my sanctified imagination to work, I can see God getting ready to work in us. I see God putting on a, a hard hat of holiness and the whole angelic host asking him, God, where you going? I'm getting ready to go to work. I can see God putting on gloves of grace. Hallelujah. And, and the whole heavenly host asking him, God, where you going? I'm putting on my gloves of grace because it's time for me to go to work. I can see God putting on some work boots of, of abundance and, and the whole heavenly host ask him God where are you going and God says it's time for me to go to work I got a child who needs some strength it's time for me to go to work I got a child who needs me to make a way out of no way it's time for me to go to work I need a child I got a child who has a bowed down head that I've got to lift up it's time for me to go to work I got a child who's struggling with depression struggling with anxiety struggling with temptation struggling with backsliding and God says whenever he hears us repenting and calling on his name God is ready to go to work is there anybody in here besides me who needs God to work right now you don't be late but God I need you to work right now in fact I need you to work overtime I need you to work double time God I need you to work triple time and the good news is God loves you so much God will show up and work on your heart God loves you too much to not show up and work on your mind God loves you too much to not show up and show out in your life can I get a witness here won't God do it I said won't God do it 
Won't God do it? It reminds me of that song we used to sing many years ago. Shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. I want to encourage somebody here to do that. When you find yourself at your weakest moment, just cry out, shine. Shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. When you feel like your light's about to go out for good, I dare you to throw your hands in the air and cry out unto God. Shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. And won't God do it? I said, won't God do it? If you know God will, put those hands together and give God a praise. If he's ever done it for you, put those hands together and give God a praise. If he's doing it for you right now, right now, if that's how God, if that's what got you out the bed this morning, if that's what got you in the church today, put your hands together. Shine. Harmony empowers us to shine. Humility empowers us to shine. Holiness. Don't act like you're allergic to holiness. Holiness empowers us to shine. Y'all, we are called to be different. And in this hostile, hostile, mean, dark, perverse, crooked world, we must be. We must shine as lights. We must shine as lights. Shine on me. Come on, if you need it. Oh, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me hallelujah oh shine yes god on me i need you oh shine on me let the light from the lighthouse Shine on, on me one more time. One more time. Come on, lift your hands. If he's ever done it for you, if you need him to do it for you now, shine on me. Oh, shine. Go to work, Jesus. On me let the light from the lighthouse shine on me oh shine yes God on me hallelujah shine on me let the light from the lighthouse shine 
on me yes God this old Sunday school song here this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine all this little light this has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.